Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If y'all could be seated. If you can't, I remember the old Pentecostal said, if you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've been in some of them, I've been in some of them um, services where you couldn't be seated in the Y'all ever been in one of those where you tried to sit out and you're like, oh my gosh, man, the spirit is so thick in this place. I don't know what I'm gonna do. That's kind of the way I feel right now. But I am so Steve, stay up here just for a minute. Give me, keep, keep me. If you had an organ right now, I'd be wanting you to slam on that organ right now. Woo! Hey, can I, can I just give a shout out to our worship team? I, I'm telling you. Can I give a shout out to our production team right now? You don't, you don't really know the stuff that they go through each week to make this possible for you. The sacrifice. And sometimes people, especially in the back, all I can see is the top of their head sometimes. And I see Chuck's bald brown head back there right now. But you don't really understand what happens on a weekly basis to get this right here. You don't have... Oh, come on, help me, Lord. You don't have to have the, the best music in the world. You don't have to have the best preaching in the world, even though you got the best preacher. No, I'm kidding. The Spirit of the God is what changes everything. And I love it when people walk in this place and they say, Hey, you know what? When I walked in that door, I felt something different. I've been called different, but I love that kind of difference, Steve. Come on. Come on, one more time. Let's, let's give Jesus. Oh, he's worthy. He's, he's a chain breaker. He is so worthy this morning. Oh, whew. Okay, you might be able to go sit down now, Steve. Oh, Got to get my eyes adjusted. I've been crying. I can't hardly see that, but... What a great baptism Sunday last Sunday. Wasn't it awesome? We had 16 people who, we celebrated with 16 people who dedicated their lives or even some rededicated. I heard some stories about saying I haven't been baptized in years and I just felt like I needed like a fresh dunk, you know. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been baptized probably about 10 times in my life and I probably needed all 11 of them. Come on, anybody, sometimes you just need a fresh anointing. You need a fresh start for God. So we did that, and we had just a, such a great time last week. And, 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 and it's a time of cleansing. It's a time of taking that old you and bringing you up and making you brand new. And that's what we did last week, and we celebrated that. But have you all noticed that they've been cleaning up Louisville? You've been going down the roads, and you've seen 74,000 bags of white trash everywhere. Have you seen that? You know, um, they're cleaning up. When you speaking of that, they're cleaning up for a little thing that's coming up this Saturday. What's coming up this Saturday? There's a little tiny race, I think, coming up this Saturday. It's called the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, and people, uh, people from all over every state know that the Kentucky Derby is happening. But in Louisville, they shut everything down for about a month in the, the, from April all the way through the first week of May. But, uh, you know, there's going to be about 150,000 people there, and it's going to be crazy. Let me just be honest with you. I love people. I love all y'all, but I don't like you touching my elbows. I don't want to use the porta potty next to you. I don't... Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, don't, I love people, but I don't like a lot of crowds. I don't like to be around all those people. But there's going to be some crazy stuff happening. There's going to be a lot of money being bet, and there's going to be fun. There's going to be... Anybody got, got their derby hat they're going to wear next week? 
I knew that was the reaction I was going to get. But, uh, you know, there's going to be craziness. But um, if you had a derby name, if you're a derby name of a horse, what would your horse's name be? I can just, I can picture a few of you out here right now. It would be like me or not. Come on, y'all got that? I got another one y'all got would be not a morning person. Listen, I am the kind of person that if you want to speak to me, you better speak to me from about 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning because, you know, I can get up. But at, we've had counseling sessions at 8 o'clock and I'm just, and I, 8 or 8.30, and I told them, I was like, you know, I don't care what y'all do. Just let me go to bed. But, you know, so I'm just not a morning person on that. But, you know, another good name would have been um, Attitude Adjustment. Anybody need an attitude adjustment in here? I need to get both of my hands up in the air right now. And my wife is like, you need to adjust your attitude 24-7, son. But there, you know, there's been a bunch of different names for horses. And I love the southern one that they're getting ready to come out with. And I may be inappropriate here. If I am, I'm going to get in trouble. The southern horse that's going to be in the derby next week is, hold my beer. That was probably not a good one to, uh, for a preacher to say, but I just had to come up with that one. But one of the worst names in Derby history was Lost Cause. You know what Lost Cause came in in the Kentucky Derby? 13th. Well, you know why? Because he had already defeated him. They had already defeated that horse by naming him Lost Cause. So sometimes we have to understand that getting baptism, getting baptized is just the beginning of your journey with God. Now, here's what you got to do once you get past that. And not just about the people that got baptized. This is about the people who are running the race called life right now. You know, now that, you have, now that you've made that decision, you're in a very important race called life. And not only just life, you're in a race called the Christian life. The title of my message this morning is Race to Win. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Everybody runs. But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. We are all in this race called life. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your race or your social status. You're all running this same race. But living out this Christian life, it can be challenging. Anybody that's given their heart over to Jesus had a life of just roses and lollipops? Anybody? Anybody had a little more trouble in your life since you've given your life over to Jesus? Come on, everybody get your hands in the air because it's the truth. You know why? Because you've made a bold statement. You, I already talked to someone who got baptized, and it said they already got attacked on Tuesday, and I had to help them through that because when you give your life over to Jesus, the enemy is out looking for you to discourage you and make you go in the other way. You've got to stay in the race. It says this. It says run in such a way. Why? Why do we got to run a certain way? Because people are watching how you run your race. How do you react when Kentucky and Louisville play a basketball game. I have to believe there are certain people who are not saved when they watch certain things on TV. Come on. 
I've heard some people get watching basketball games and you'd be like, oh my gosh, they need, we need to baptize them again right now. We need to have an altar call right now. And listen, I used to be one of those people who took it way too seriously. But what do you do? What do you do when something at work doesn't go your way? What do you do when you've been looked over for a promotion and someone else got something and, and you really felt like you should? How do you react to that? And how do you react when you have to stand in line? Does anyone like to wait? No. Nobody likes to wait. No. All a bunch of impatient people in this house, right? I have, I'm fairly patient, but you know, when I'm sitting in a line, I can't stand to be there and knowing, and you ever had that person walk in front of you when you've been waiting 20 minutes? How do you react to that? That's what people are watching is how you react to those situations. So how do you respond? But seriously, let me ask you this. How do you, how do you react when you get hurt? Do you lash out at someone? How do you react when somebody's talking about you or somebody's gossiping about you? Are you, are you going to defend yourself or are you going to allow God to be your defender? So many of us want to defend ourselves, and I know some situations that are happening right now in this church where uh, the, this person has allowed God to defend themselves because they can no longer do it themselves. They've tried, and they've tried, and they've failed, and finally they came to the point where they said, only God can be my defender in this. What are you going to do when, when, uh, when your friends and your coworkers are telling that off? color thing or they're not doing what God is supposed to be doing are you going to stand there and listen to it or are you going to respond in a way to say listen I can't listen to that anymore I can't be around that anymore my life has changed in that way so much that I can't do this anymore how do you respond they're watching you they're watching your race and listen what you can do you can cause people to go in the right direction or you can cause people to go in the wrong direction with your attitudes and your reactions and your words, they carry a lot of weight on how you run your race. They're watching how you run, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And you got to watch. Sometimes when you're running your race, you get a little bit... Anybody, anybody ever got a little bit off track in their race? When you get a little off track in your race, it, it, it takes you to places that you never thought you would be and it keeps you there longer than you ever thought you would stay. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You end up here, and all of a sudden you get veered off over into a, another direction, and you're miles away from where you started from. And I'm talking about it in a race, but I'm talking about it in your life. You've been there before. You've been running this race good, and you've been walk, going straight and keeping your eyes upon the prize and upon Jesus. And all of a sudden, a little distraction or a little thing comes into your life, and you end up in a place that you never thought you would be. Prodigal son left home. That's my favorite story. You're going to hear it again, but I'm not giving it all of it. He left home. But he ended up in a place that he never thought he would be. You know what that can do? When you get off track, it leads you out into places that, again, like I said, you would never thought you would be. And Johnny helped me out with this one. It puts you out in the parking lot selling roses instead of being in the race. It puts you out in positions of not being actually where God wants you to be. You're standing on the outskirts looking, 
Oh, oh, come on. We've got to be able to get in the race and stay where God wants us to be. It can lead us to wrong relationships. It can lead us to wrong decisions. It can lead us to wrong ways of thinking. And ultimately, what it does, it gets you out of the race. And what happens when you get off track? You get vulnerable. When the enemy isolates, he dominates. Pastor Mindy, quote, when he isolates you, he dominates you. You miss one Sunday, you're sick. You miss two Sundays, you're dying. You miss three, you're dead. Come on. We used to tell that to the refuge kids all of the time. And it's totally the way. Sometimes you can let things just fade away in your race and, and you miss a Sunday here. And listen, church is not all it is. You know what I mean? You've got to serve God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's not all about Sunday. But you start missing assembling together in God's house. You find yourself vulnerable and out there where no one knows where you're at. So you remember this. You've got to run in such a way. You've got, you got to stay on track, and you can't get isolating. The, the, isolated. But the big thing is you just got to keep on running. 1 Corinthians 9.25, it says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. I wrote disciplined. I'm going to talk about that one in just a minute, and y'all are going to throw shoes at me here. In all things, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Perishable crowns are this. They're trophies. They're fame. They're money. I'm going through houses right now, and, and, and we're, we're cleaning out houses, and I have thrown away totes and totes and totes and bags full of trophies. These were accomplishments that someone had 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. But as you're cleaning them out, it's, an imperish, it's, a, it's a perishable thing. It doesn't really mean a whole lot of stuff. But you know what? Uh, the, the imperishable ones are an eternal prize. It means it cannot be taken away from you. Once salvation comes into you, you know, God, the enemy is going to come in to try to make you eat your lunch and try to get you to get, get off course in your race. But I'm telling you right now, once you've, once, you've once you've attained that perishable, that imperishable crown, sorry, help me, Lord. He can never be taken. Paul is saying this, that in any race, only one runner wins. So ask yourself a question. Why participate if you're not even going to try to win? My wife is very competitive. She cheats at cards. She said that's a lie from the devil. She's very competitive. Just ask her. Ask her and Pastor Johnny. They love to go back and forth. So is he. He's very competitive. He wants to wear the crown. I think he sleeps in the, the chicken wing crown that he put on when he finally when he won. But, you know, why participate if you're not going to try to win? Compete means we got to strive to... Thank you, baby. we got to strive to win. Listen, can I just tell you something? We are not just spectators. We are participators. You're not just coming to church to get what you want to be. You don't sit on the sidelines and, and, and wish you were in the game or wish you were in the race. You go, to, you go into this race saying, I am going to be a, spectator, a participator and I am going to go for it. I am going to contend to win because I don't want to. Derek, you just don't want to go play softball, do you? 
you want to win that tournament, don't you? Come on. At all costs. I'm, no, I'm kidding. But we're just not. So we can't sit on the sidelines anymore. We've got to get in the race. I'm going to ask you this question. Are you in the race? Here are some of the reasons why people get out of the race. Here's the biggest one. Listen. You get distracted. Oh, but do we live in a cell phone world? How many of you all hold that cell phone? How many hours a day do you think you're holding your, hold your cell phones up. Come on, you can do it. How many hours a day do you think you hold that cell phone in your hand? Uh, too many, exactly. You know what? We live in a life where cell phones are, are distracted. We get on our computers, and before too long, Facebook, social media turns into, I'm just going to check out a couple of things, and it's like three hours later, and you've, you know, every bit of the gossip, you've been down the road for here and there, or you're on Instagram and TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, praise the Lord, uh, but, but Cain came over to our house one day, and he was literally on TikTok for like four hours. We get distracted. Also, the things of this world distract us too. We think that money, we think that promotions, and we think that status are the things that are going to get us hooked. But they also, sometimes those things take us in a direction or, or running a different race than what we were set out to do. Another reason we get out of the race is, listen to this one, you get entangled. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. When we practice to deceive. That's in the second chapter of... Wait a minute, that's not even in the Bible. Say what? Y'all remember that one? That was Sir Walter Scott that says that. But it's so easy to get tangled up in everything in the world. It's so easy to get tangled up in the sin out there because the enemy is always trying to tangle you up to get you to quit the race or even get out of the race. You ever walk into a spider? Anybody like spiders? Anybody scared to death of spiders? Come on, y'all, get your hands up. I got a bunch of girls working for me uh, at the thrift store, Pepper. And say, oh my gosh, I can't lift that up. There's a spider under it. I'm like, squash it. It's a spider. But I mean, you know, but the spider web, you walk into a spider web and all of a sudden it's kind of all over your face and it's like, Nasty, but what the spider does is he, he, he spreads that out from one limb to another limb or to a, 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 a two by four to a two by four at a basement. Y'all, we've been in some nasty basements here lately. Ugh. And then what he not only does he do that, he makes that spider web sticky. And here's the bad thing about the spider web it's invisible. Most of the time, you don't even see it until you are actually in it. And the more, what, it, what he does is the more he gets you entangled into that, you get tangled up, you became isolated. The more you struggle inside of that thing, there's no way you can get out. And then you go back to yourself and you start talking about, well, I feel alone, so I might as well go back to my old friends. I might as well go back to my old addictions. I might as well go back to my own ha old habits or old mindsets. He starts making you think that, but you know what the spider does? If you've ever seen a spider web with an insect inside of it, they don't eat the whole body. They suck the life out of whatever they eat. The enemy wants to suck the life right out of you. 
He wants to pull you out of that race and he wants to suck the, yeah, you may be walking around and, and there could be flesh and blood on you or you could be, you could look just like this, but there's people walking around that the enemy has sucked the life right out of you. And I'm telling you thing right now, we got to start letting God because that be that person that brings the life back into us. There's, that's not what God intended us to be. That's not who he intended us to be. When we realize we've got our, sometimes we got to realize we got our own selves tangled up into something, right? Sometimes other people tangle you, but how many times in your life do you tangle your own self up? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You're tangling yourself up in, in, in relationships. You're tangling yourself up in the old mindsets. And, and God did not intend us to be that. And sometimes you just got to realize, I got to get myself untangled. Most of the time, you cannot do that on your own. Let me read to you Psalms 118.5. It says, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord. And the Lord answered me and he set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? The Bible also said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So, so many times we walk around like dead man walking. We walk around like, like we walk around with no joy. I, I see people all the time, and I've said it before, I'm saying it again. You can have a bad day one day, but if it's seven bad days in a row, you need to get to the altar. If you're always having a bad day, so there, there, there is something definitely wrong with your walk and your race that you're in right now. It's okay to have a bad day. I have a bad day every once in a while. I have a bad hour sometimes during the day. And, but it's okay to have one, but not all the time. Another, re, another way that we get out of the race is we become complacent. We take everything for granted and we get comfortable and we lose our, our passion and our, for God's presence in our life. Here's the biggest thing. We just get satisfied. This morning, I didn't feel like I wanted to be satisfied anymore with just having a regular church service. I wanted to see people up here praying. I wanted to see God moving in their life. Sometimes we just get so satisfied with our lives and we get up and we do the same thing, the old routine that we have every single day. God says, I want you to do something. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me tell you something. If you like to eat like I do, you want to taste something and you want to see how good it is. God says, if you'll give me a taste instead of domino, ooh, not dominoes, uh, uh, I don't even like dominoes. Where did that come from? But something that you like, Jesus and God are so much better than that. We've got to start seeking and searching after him. If you depend upon God, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you 100%, he is going to show up. Uh, and look, here's what God is looking for us to do. He's looking for us to take some risks. He's looking for us to step out into our faith and step out of our comfort zone. Sometimes you got to talk to people you don't really want to talk to. That might even mean in church. You know, we come to church. Listen to me. I'm, I'm trying to help you all out. We're going to wear name tags here in just a, a few Sundays. She's giving me a dirty look here real quick. But there's people that are sitting over here that don't know the people sitting over here. 
There's people sitting right there that don't know the people sitting back there. And I'm telling you, sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone and go talk to someone else and try to be, uh, just try to make ourselves to be more friendly. That's what God's calling us to do, to step out. And listen, when we step out, not only do we have to step out, we got to expect God to answer that. Don't be surprised when he does. And when he does answer that thing, here's the thing that we need to do. We just need to say yes to it. There are so many opportunities in our life that God has called us to be, and we've, we haven't said yes. Anybody had God tell you to do something, and you said, I don't, I don't really know if I want to talk to them, or I don't know if I really want to do that. or I don't. You don't know that if you said your yes, you don't know what a change you can make in their life. You don't know the, the word that you might have for them, the smile that you might have for them that might change everything in their lives. So step out and say yes. Another reason we get out of the race is we get discouraged and fearful. Fear keeps you paralyzed, keeps you from moving forward, and it keeps you frozen in one place. Can I tell you something? Just because something's scary doesn't mean you should avoid it. A few years ago, God called us to plant this church. And because of fear, because of complacency, because of a lot of doubt in my faith, I was afraid to step out. And I didn't. Even though I knew, I knew God had called us to do something differently, I didn't do it. I was disobedience. But there's always something good on the other side of fear sometimes. You know, he wants to keep you so fearful and so much thinking that you don't even want to make that first step. But a lot of times when we get through that thing and we get in the middle of that valley and we get on the other side of that, we see, man, this is what God really intended us to be. Because once I stepped out, once my wife kicked me a few times and said, hey, we got to go, brother. <laughs> hey, let me tell you what, behind every good man is a better woman. And she's had to kick me, prod me, push me, punch me. Uh, I'm kidding. She, what? Drag. She's a visionary. I'm like, okay, what are we going to do today? <laughs> so sometimes you've got to have those people in your life. Thank you, honey, for doing that. Don't, she doesn't beat me, I promise you. I don't have to do that. But we found this, after, after all of that thing, we finally found the building we were looking for. And not only that, when we stepped out, finances started coming in. We didn't know, where the, you know, we didn't know what we were going to do. And everything that we needed for big church happened when we stepped on the out, other side of fear. It's easy to give up sometimes, but look what Galatians 6, 9 says. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Somebody, somebody needs to hear this one. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. So many times God's got something and we've stopped a foot short of it, uh, five steps short of it. God's got something for you on the other side of that valley, on the other side of that mountain, and he just wants us to step. But here's the thing I wrote down. You need to turn back around sometimes and look where you started. You may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. Come on. Sometimes you got to just take it a little prioritize, and you need, to, you need to understand that, man, I might not be perfect, but I sure am not that anymore. I'm so glad of that. 
And as you move closer to Jesus and you see how perfect he is, you're going to start seeing how far that you've actually come. Sometimes it's hard to follow God because it's, it's dark and it's a little scary. I went into a house the other day. It had no electricity in it. It was almost dark. And I, I hit almost every piece of furniture in that house with my leg. I've got bruises all down. My, my legs are white because I need a tan in Jesus' name. But, <laughs> but I have bruises all over my legs because I hit several things. So many times that walk with God is scary. And sometimes you're going to have some scars to show where you've walked with him. But there will be a time when you'll be able to show somebody, I remember when I walked through this and that happened to me. I remember when I walked through my addiction and, it, and I came out on the other side. I remember when I walked through my pain and I came through on the other side. That's what the scars of life do for you sometimes. So I'm going to ask you this right here. If this is the place to take notes, here's where you take notes. Let me get down here where I'm at here. My iPad went crazy. Pushing through. Oh, goodness. Help me, Jesus. It just went nuts. Okay. If this is the place where you take notes, because all good note takers go to heaven. Come on. If you're not taking notes, uh, I'll pray for you after service. But here are some practical ways to stay in the race. Number one, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You have to look and keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Uh, Chuck and Teresa, we had dinner with them the other night, and they said that they actually did their TV mount. was a little bit like this, so when you were trying to watch TV, you felt like you needed a recliner to watch TV. Amen? Is that what I heard right? You've got a crick in your neck trying to watch. So sometimes we have to watch what we look at. And we have to keep our eyes focused upon God because you know why? The level of your eyes will determine the level of your life. What you look at can determine how you run your race. You know what? You may not see the outcome that you're looking for. You may not know the things that you've done. But don't get fixated on the problem. Look to Jesus because the Bible said he's the author and the finisher of your faith. Your story's not over. He's still writing it. You got to focus on him. Number two, you got to run your race. 1 Corinthians 9.26 says, So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. We have to set our pace. And sometimes our pace, we have to set our pace. And sometimes we have to pace ourselves. Some of us are running this race and we ain't even running. We ain't even walking. We ain't even crawling. We're just creeping along. Well... Lord's going to bless me someday. I, don't, I guess he's going to bless me. Then we got people going 100 miles an hour, and they don't know which way they're going from one end to the other. Sometimes you have to be in a place where you can pace yourself. Sometimes you've got to slow it down, and you've got to listen to what God wants you to do. And training for this race starts one, one mile at a time. I can run the 100 in 14.2 minutes. That was supposed to be funnier than that. 
but I'm not a runner. But I've learned how to run my race. And this is something that you got to work at, and it's not easy. Here's what you got to do. There's a saying, slow and steady wins the race. In other words, consistency, perseverance, and doing the work each and every day helps you win the race. You got to run your race and stay in your lane too. There's so many people that are trying to get in someone else's lane. Come on, can I get an amen? You could, do you have a family member that's always trying to get in your lane? And you want to look at them and say, hey, listen, you run your race, and I'm going to run my race. You stay in your lane, and I want to stay in my lane. And sometimes you just have to make those things and say those things. Number three, you got to know that you're not alone. I've heard the hardest part of a marathon is not the end. It's the places in the middle where nobody is cheering for you. It's the places where you feel like you want to give up. Man, at the start, man, everybody's running. They're cheering for you, and this is great. And at the finish line, everybody's cheering for you because you finally made it. You finally got through it. I wouldn't, uh, there's no way I could run a marathon. But they said those, those middle places... On mile nine or mile 18, I think, they said those are the ones right there that are the hardest and the ones you got to push through because there's no cheerleaders there for you. There's no one there for you to tell you, you can do this like on the uh, Happy Gilmore movies. You can do it. There's nobody there to do that. But remember this, we got fans. Hebrews 12, one says this, therefore we're also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, fans. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You've got fans. Noah took 120 years to build a boat. I would have give up in four hours. Especially if it didn't have directions. You know, I do not like to follow directions. Don't you say anything up here. But directions to me, are whether they're in Chinese, uh, Spanish, whatever they are, they're still something I can't have a, I don't do well with. But Noah took 120 years to build a boat. Abraham was 75 years old when God says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Again, guess what? He had to wait 25 more years. He was 100 years old when he had his first son. And Joshua, when he was walking around Jericho, he had to walk around those walls seven days. Don't you know he could have said, God, can't we just do this in one? Can't we just go home and get some lunch or something like that? Can't you just make those walls fall down? And God said, there's a purpose in running the race that I've called you to run. Listen, you've got to surround yourself with the right people. You've got to get you some fans out there. You've got to get rid of the negativity. You've got to get rid of the drama. And, the drama for your mama, I think she said that a little bit. But you got to get rid of around those people. How many work with, with a bunch of drama people? I'm not, oh, I shouldn't say that. My, oh, I, I just got myself in bad trouble. Listen, her message a couple weeks ago was dramatic. It should have been dramatic because she's very dramatic. Did you ever work around those people that are always full of drama, always negative, always have something bad to say? And when you go home, you feel like... I was talking to someone this morning, and they said, I've got these two people at my job, and they just suck the life out of me. 
Come on, you gotta get some cheerleaders in your life instead of some life suckers in your life. Get some good people around you that'll hold you accountable. So I'm gonna ask y'all, would, if you would, to stand with me, please. We've kind of already had an altar call, but this is a little different. This is gonna be a call to run the race that God has set before you. This is gonna be a call to say, hey, I've been running this race, but man, I've been getting like super tired and I, I feel like I just wanna give up. Sometimes we just have to refocus our lives and we have to ask the question, what are we running for? And sometimes we ask that question, not what are we running for, what are we running toward? Or what are we running from? Sometimes we need to run towards the things of God and we need to run away from the things the enemy keeps bringing into our minds and keeps rehearsing it over and over. You gotta remove all the restraints and you gotta run with resolve and determination. So I'm gonna ask you today, the race that you are in really does matter. And the race that you're actually going after is salvation. And if you've never, I'm gonna ask you if you would to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, you've never asked him to come into your heart and be your Lord. I'm gonna ask you as, as I, I'm gonna ask you that you get back in the race. You've never accepted him. But on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to receive this. And by raising your hand and even coming forward for prayer, it's making a proclamation to him that I, I really want you. The Bible says this, it says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, and all that means is, God, I've sinned. I have sin in my life. And listen, we're all guilty of sin in our lives, but there's a difference between sin and sinning. And maybe you've never accepted that forgiveness that Jesus gives. The word says, if you believe in your heart that he died for you and you confess with your mouth that he's the son of God, you can be saved. So I'm gonna ask you, if you wanna receive Jesus this morning, would you please just lift up your hand this morning? Just lift up as a sign of surrender to him. I see those hands. I see those hands. I'm gonna ask you to do this as we get ready to close with a song. We're not just in the program where we close with a song. I'm gonna ask you to maybe take a step out and pray with someone. I'm gonna ask you to take the yellow connect card to our next steps bar because that is the next step. We want, you, we want to run this race with you. And sometimes you just need a little help in, in which way you need to go. So I'm gonna ask you this morning too that if you've been, maybe you've gotten out of the race and you just wanna get back in this morning, you wanna say, hey, okay, God, I've not been living up to what I need to be living up to. Will you help me? This morning, these altars are open for anything that you need because the presence of Jesus is here.